You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode 59 of season two. Cubs beat the big bad Braves. And in this segment, Crawley interviews former Cubs and Mitts pitcher Glendon Rush to talk about the struggles of the Cubs' upcoming opponent, the New York Mets. Joining me now, you recognize him as a 12-year MLB veteran who played on such teams as the Kansas City Royals, the Milwaukee Brewers, the New York Mets, and the Chicago Cubs, Glendon Rush. Glendon, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Ah, blast. Now, I mentioned some of the teams. You played for a couple, a few more, but uh, it seems to me like you and I have talked about this before. The Mets and the Cubs are the two that you kind of stayed closest to in your heart. What was it about those two teams that kind of really have drawn you into their fan bases? Well, we were pretty, you know, pretty special team there with the Mets when I was there. We ended up in the World Series and played in that Subway Series with the Yankees. And then, uh, of course, the, the Cubs teams, we just – I, th- I think we had a really great group. It was coming off that that big 2003 season. So when I came in 2004, we were, you know, a playoff contender and and uh, unfortunately fell a little short. But I think just the the way that the those organizations handle bringing their alumni back. You know, obviously I've been a part of the Cubs convent convention forever. So I love I love the fan bases and and being a part of it. Now, you know, as, as far as it goes, you are definitely one of the favorites at Cubs convention. People love to line up and talk to you, and you're also a great Twitter follow. Um, when the Mets sold the team, when the Wilpons sold the team to the Cohens, I think that really reinvigorated the Mets fan base. And it for Steve Cohen, it seems like an open wallet right now. And when you looked at the offseason you had, I mean, for the Mets, you were probably talking about, you know, it, it wasn't just playoffs or bust. It was talks of World Series or bust, right? Oh, there's no doubt with, you know, going out and, and what they bring in Scherzer and then uh, adding Verlander this offseason, you know, things just haven't panned out the way they anticipated. But I, I think that they pivoted in a way that they were able to get some prospects back. Uh, they shed a little bit of payroll and, and they're, they don't have to completely rebuild everything. They just have to add pieces this next offseason. And sometimes that regardless of how good you look on paper, uh, between injuries and guys not performing the way you want them to perform, et cetera, uh, that happens. Look, at, at the end of the every year, there's only two teams that make it to the World Series, right? So there's always teams that underperform. There's teams that play better than we thought they would. And they just unfortunately haven't got it all together this year. But I think they'll be fine in the long run. Right. And, 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 you know, with that off season, like I said, with, with Steve Cohen, it just seems like if he, I know, when I think about a guy like Shohei Otani, imagine that, right? Oh yeah, that would, I mean, anyone would love to have him. He's so much fun to watch. I think, you know, the, the difficult part has been that he hasn't got to be on a playoff team there in Anaheim yet, but, but I think that, um, 
you know, Phil Nevin is doing a great job with those guys this year because I don't think anybody thought that they would be in contention where they are this this late in the season. And also now that they've lost Trout for part of the year too. So they've, they've done a great job. Phil's done a great job. He's a buddy of mine. I love to see him having success as a manager. Now, when, when you talk about things not clicking, uh, you know, when you talk about Scherzer and Verlander, I mean, obviously, no doubt those guys are going in the Hall of Fame. Uh, also in the staff, you have Kodai Senga, who is someone that the Cubs were kind of sniffing around uh, during the offseason. And then former Cub Jose Quintana has been injured a lot. You, you know, with that pitching rotation, you kind of felt that the Mets really had a good shot at things. You know, wh what do you think really happened as far as the rotation was concerned? Well, I think just a little bit of, you know, slow start. Uh, Verlander missed part of the, the beginning of the season. Scherzer didn't pitch as well as he wanted to early. Uh, they lost Quintana. Sanga's been incredible. He's been really good and kind of kind of under the radar, too, just because of the, what's been going on with their team. I don't know if he's gotten the credit that he should, but um, I actually got to see him throw at Fenway this year. So it was pretty cool. I got to see him live. But I, I, I think that every good team that, that competes into the postseason and goes deep, it revolves around starting pitching, good bullpen, defense, right, timely hitting. It's, it's the same formula every year. And if, if, if your rotation's always in limbo throughout the whole season, you're going to be in trouble. Now, as, as a pitcher, talk to me about – you said you saw Kodai live, you know, and I'm sure you've watched plenty of games. Tell me about the ghost forkball. What, what, what is going on with that pitch? Tell, tell our listeners about that pitch that he features. Well, obviously it's moving in a way that, that guys aren't picking it up at all. I mean, it's, it's a forkball, but, but it's got some depth to it that, that guys just don't pick it up. And I've never stood in the box against him, but guys that throw good splits or good forkballs, whatever you want to call them, are extremely difficult to pick up because it's it's your hand is coming through similar to a fastball and and those balls are diving late so it's it's not a it's not a spin out of hand pitch that you pick up you know when you see a slider when you see a breaking ball it it, it comes out different and they're difficult but it, it, that being said they're really hard to throw too you, you don't see that many guys that have successful splits in the big leagues now, one, one player that Cub fans are familiar with, uh, you know, from that 2016 and, and, and the Cleveland Indians, Francisco Lindor. I mean, you're never going to take away that guy's glove. That guy's glove is just absolutely incredible. But offensively, it hasn't seemed to click in New York. What do you think's going on with uh, Francisco Lindor and what struggles, you know, what, what's going, what, what do you think's going on with his struggles right now? Well, I think you see guys that, that go from, say, mid-market teams, uh, not necessarily under the, the spotlight of, of a New York or a Chicago or an L.A., and sometimes they struggle a little bit until they really get settled in. He's been there a little while now. so But, you know, he's, he's swinging it better this year from a production standpoint. I don't think his average is as high as he'd like it to be, but he's, he's one heck of a player. I mean, he could potentially be in the MVP talks if he puts it all together in the, in the same year, but Love watching him play. I, I think he's he's underperforming for what he would like to be, I think. Now, one name I heard kicked around at the deadline a lot was Pete Alonzo, the polar bear that, you know, we, we see him in the home run derby and all that fun stuff. You know, what does the future look like to you for Pete Alonzo? Well, you would think he stays there and, and as a as a long time met. Uh, I don't know if you want to say lifetime met, but but man, the fan base absolutely loves him. He's a huge performer. He's he's struggled this year from a, an average standpoint, again, even for him. Um, but he's putting up pretty good power numbers. But I would think he stays there long term. That would be my guess. 
Now, one thing we talk a little bit about when we, we talk about these series is the hot and not. Right now, when you look at the Mets, who, who do you see right now as kind of really kind of carrying this team right now? Well, I think their their uh, their pitching and defense has to carry them they, because their their offense has not produced on the whole like they'd like it to. And I, I think, you know, when you go out and get good performances from starting pitching, the bullpen holds it down and you play quality defense, timely hitting, it's kind of the same formula. It sounds boring, but that's really what works, and that's what wins over the long term in the big leagues. Now, one of the great closers entrances is Edwin Diaz. And obviously, you know, when you think about the Mets season, you know, losing that guy before opening day absolutely hurt. Have you have any heard any updates on Edwin Diaz and when he might be back? I haven't heard anything. I mean, generally, if, if you're to this point in the season and you haven't heard any kind of a timetable, you would think it's not until 2024. But yeah, great entrance. Love to, love to see it. I mean, I'd love to see I'd be happy with him in either uniform. You could put him in a Cubs uni too, and he'd be yeah, – they'd go nuts at Wrigley if, if uh, he came into the trumpets. Oh, absolutely. And when you talk about the Cubs, you know, from your standpoint and you watch this team, it's kind of been interesting. It's been kind of an up and down year, but recently they've really kind of turned it on. And, and I, you know, sometimes I tell people, you know, this reminds me a lot of the 2007 Cubs where they got a whole bunch of new players and stuff like that. And it took a little time to gel before they started uh, to really produce. Do you kind of see that happening with this team as well? I do. They've been a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, coming off, I was looking back at, at their most recent series. I mean, they took two from the White Sox, then I think three out of four from St. Louis, then three out of four from the Reds, and then uh, they had one rough one uh, with Atlanta yesterday. Um, but I, I think that all in all, you what they've gotten out of, I mean, Steele's been awesome. Stroman's been great. He struggled a little bit recently. But but those guys have pitched well. Smiley pitched really well early. He's gonna he's gonna keep you in games and go out there and give you innings. Um, offensively, it's I mean Morell's been incredible. I love watching that kid play. He brings so much energy and can play all over the field. And he's he's a blast to watch. Um, Nico's Nico Dansby's great. Uh, Bellinger's had a great bounce back here. I got to see him in the Cal League when I was coaching with the Padres. He was 19 years old in in the Cal league uh, playing in Rancho for the Dodgers. And I think hit 30 home runs that year as a 19 year old kid. And I mean, he's, he's an incredible athlete, great player. I'm glad to see him bounce back. I'd like to see Hap and, uh, and uh, say, get rolling a little bit more. I think they would say the same offensively, um, but man, they have all the pieces. The bullpens pitched off and on pretty good. Um, but I think you just, with experience and seeing it gel together, you're they have the definitely have the pieces there to put together a playoff caliber team. And I'd love to see them make it this year. Now you brought up pitching and defense as being the key. And I think that's what Jed was kind of going for. And Carter Hawkins, you know, before the season started, you know, you, you pitched on that Wrigley mound. What would it feel like for you to have Dansby and Nico and you're talking about Bellinger and Gomes all up the middle. I mean, that as a pitcher that has to give you a ton of confidence. Oh, there's nothing like it. When you go out there and you know your defense is locked down every single time, that gives you tons of confidence on the mound because especially a guy like me, the ball's going to be put in play. I was never a high strikeout guy. And you're, you're counting on those guys to make plays and make big plays. If you're battling with guys on base and you've got to get out of an inning, you need those big plays to, to do it. Now, uh, as the, you, you mentioned that Cincinnati series, I was there when they hit seven home runs in one game. I mean, it was unbelievable. This whole last week 
uh, Wrigley has been rocking. And, and you know from experience, you were in that 2004, you know, again, that run to try to make to, to win the Central. It was really, really close. Pat Hughes just got inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and he mentioned about at least five times a year the, the crowd is responsible for kind of willing the Cubs to victory. You know, talk to us about the crowd. I mean, you know, most ball players tend to say they, oh, they tune things out. But when you get that electric vibe, that atmosphere at Wrigley Field where, where 40,000 are cheering, you know, you were at both sides of it. Again, facing the Cubs and with the Cubs. What is that like as a, as a pitcher for the Cubs when that crowd is cheering? I think the best way that, that we would describe it, and I'm I'm hope, hoping some of my my uh, fellow teammates or old guys would would agree with me is is you you tune out the crowd as a distraction, but you use the energy and everything from the crowd to to you know boost you as well. So I think it's kind of twofold. You use it and you and you try not to let it affect you. But man, from a positive standpoint, when you got the home crowd behind you and you're in big situations and need to make a pitch or big part of a game there's nothing like it and the the energy at Wrigley is just awesome I love going I've had such a good time we went last year with I took my boys out and I haven't made it up this year but we usually try and get up there at least once a year but it's so much fun and and I love uh, hey look I love all the renovations everything that's been built up around it I love the new courtyard the hotel all of it I, I think it's awesome so I'm a I'm a huge lover of the the whole atmosphere there I will agree with you, except for one minor thing. I missed the bullpens outside by by the by the third baseline. That was so much fun, and the interaction between the player, the bullpen player uh, pitchers, and the and the crowd was something that was really special. It's funny you say that because that is one thing that I've I've always said that I don't think I would like being underneath uh, during the game. I feel like you're a little bit detached um, from from crowd noise and everything that's going on. Um, so. Yeah, that, that almost reminds me of you see a lot of the Japanese ballparks when you go to Japan, the, the guys warm up like underneath, you know, in the in the uh, tunnels uh, before they come out in the game. I like I always liked being a part of it. Um, I loved Wrigley because you could kind of hang in the dugout, too, and you were close enough to the pen where you could run down there. San Francisco used to be like that. Montreal was like that. So if if you were a reliever, you could you could still kind of loiter in the dugout and be with your teammates and then make it down there in time. That's great. Now, as, as an opposing pitcher, let's say you're in Milwaukee and, you know, three, two bases loaded and that crowd is absolutely rocking. I mean, how do you tune that out? Because th that does get a little bit intense. Well, if you're using Milwaukee as an example, the percentage might be a little higher on Cubs fans yelling for you than, than Brewers fans. I don't know. Uh, since I've retired, the, it may have swung the other way a little bit because the Brew crew has been playing pretty good the last, you know, good amount of years. But I, I always loved those rivalries going to Wrigley because I did it as both, you know, I did it as a cub and I did it as a brewer. So they were fun. Those, those fans get into it. And that that's always kind of been a fun rivalry. Now, now speaking of the brewers, I, you know, I don't know how, how much you pay attention to them, but I, I I've, I've said on this podcast numerous times to me, the best manager in the NL central hands down is Craig council. I think that that guy, you know, when you think about, you know, the payroll that they, you know, the lack of payroll, I guess, you know, not spending as much as a big market team like Chicago, they're always seem to be in it. They always seem to be putting up, you know, good, good games against the Cubs and, and winning the NL central. I, I've heard talk of Craig council going to 
the Mets. Now, I'm sure you played against Greg Council. I don't know how well you know him. Have you heard about any of that buzz as far as Council to the Mets, and what do you think that would mean? I haven't heard that buzz at all. I I do think he is a really good manager uh, with a great sidekick. He's got Pat Murphy there on as his bench coach, um, who is another you know managed a little bit for the Padres, but a great baseball mind. I think the I think the Cubbies have the same setup with with Rossi and Andy Green, who was a former manager. You know, working side by side. That I really think that Council is just that's right for my era, you know? So I, I faced him a lot. We played against each other a lot, kind of the same group of baseball minds throughout the, that time that we all played. And, and I think that he's just gotten better and better and better. And you see it's, it's regardless of his personnel there, they're, they've been a winning organization for basically the whole time he's been there. And, and I'm sure he's great to play for and a player's manager and everyone uses that phrase, but it's true when you have guys like that, that, trust you. Um, they've got your back. You believe that they have your best interest at heart as a player. And when you have guys like that, that take care of you, Rossi, I would put in the exact same category. When you have that, that, that makes guys play better. You know, for me, it was Bobby Valentine, Dusty Baker. I had Bob Boone, Tony Muser. I had all kinds of men, Ned Yost in Milwaukee. Um, had lots of great managers over the years, Buddy Black, Clint Hurdle, um, all those guys that I mentioned, I always felt like they believed in me. They had confidence in me and they had my back regardless of if I was struggling, if I was doing well. And that, that is a huge part of being a good manager in the big leagues. Now, I, you know, you, you, you can plead the fifth here, but going into the series, I mean, we don't know how things are going to pan out. I mean, the Cubs have a really tough one. This Atlanta team is top to bottom, probably the best team I've seen this year. But, but in, in, if you were to sit there in that three game series, it's going to be in New York how do you see this playing out in this three game? Who do you think takes the series? Well, I think it, it it's going to be tough. I, I mean, you'd love to win two out of three, right? And they're down one. So we, we got to have two in a row, really. And then uh, next series is going into New York. Does that start Monday or Tuesday? I believe it starts uh, – does it start Monday? I think it starts Monday. Okay. So the, no off day? Uh, let me check really quick on this. It is going to be – um no off day okay so i i think i think the the atlanta series is key they they need definitely be great to get a win today and then you have a chance to win a series on on sunday and then going into new york look i mean the bottom line is the mets haven't played well uh recently so you know from a Cubs standpoint you got to take advantage of that well, I appreciate you, Glendon, jumping on. Where can our listeners follow you on the socials? I am uh, Twitter is just at Glendon Rush, and I think Instagram is at Glendon Rush thirty three, maybe if I'm not mistaken. I use the I use Twitter or X a lot more than I use uh, Instagram, but I use both of them. Like I said, you're a great follow, so I encourage all our listeners to follow Glendon. And Glendon, uh, I hope to see you when you're at Wrigley Field, and if not, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for jumping on. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.